Greetings, brothers and sisters of the leaf. Several years ago, my wife gave me a gag gift at Christmas. It was a shirt that said, Online Debate Team, because someone on the internet is wrong. Ha ha. It's true, though. I have a hard time just moving on when I see an obvious bit of bad logic or an alternative fact. It wouldn't be so bad if I weren't in so many atheism versus theism groups. But lately I've been seeing fans of Charles Spurgeon spouting the claim that Christmas is pagan and Christians should not celebrate it. And that bothers me. I sat down with my wife Pamela to talk about why. Before I get to that conversation, let me invite you to join me at my church, Blue Valley Baptist Church, for our Christmas Eve celebration. There's a family-friendly service at 4 p.m. Later, we'll be having a classic service, which begins with a concert at 10.30 p.m. Keep listening to hear more about BVBC. Blue Valley Baptist Church is an exciting, rapidly growing congregation worshiping in the Kansas City metropolitan area and the heart of Johnson County, Kansas. Though our church is literally bursting with young families, it reaches people of all ages. Those who worship with us each week are from all over the metro, including both sides of the state line. Blue Valley believes passionately that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the unifying center around which everything else is built and from which all ministry flows. Our mission is to glorify God by helping people everywhere to understand what it means to follow Jesus using the five habits of a Jesus follower. Surrender, sustain, sacrifice, shine, and share. Our vision is to become a multiplying church that is actively establishing local campuses and planting autonomous churches locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally by 2028. Our hope is that you'll visit us soon to find out more. Come join us for worship in person or online and visit our website to find out about our staff, ministries, missions, upcoming events, and how you can partner with BVBC to carry out the Multiply 2028 vision. The website is bluevalleybaptist.org. That's bluevalleybaptist.org. We're on. It's live, um, just so you know. Okay. And I end up cutting a lot of the beginning stuff out. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law? No. Well, you might use it against me, but people listening will never hear it, so. Drinking your tea. Mm-hmm. What kind of tea do you have? Uh, salted caramel with honey. Oh, you went with that, not the English breakfast? Because mm-hmm. I already had the salted caramel out. Okay. Is it good? It is. It's in my Christmas mug. You like Christmas? I do. It's my favorite. It's one of the things I love about you. Um, so when I was growing up, my uh, family, you know, my, my mom had three jobs for most of my life. And one of them was a Sunday school teacher. And she would, you know, go out and buy gifts for the kids there, reimbursed by the church. But... Um, with all the extra effort, you know, buying for a dozen kids or whatever. Um, and with the jobs she was working, she, she was always just really burnt out by the time Christmas came around. So Christmas in our house, um, we kind of just tried to draw back from, you know, a lot of traditional Christmas things, you know, not entirely, you know, we'd still go over to family's house for Christmas and stuff, but, you know, some years we wouldn't even decorate and 
Um, we weren't big on exchanging gifts for each other and stuff. And then I met you. <laughs> and you are like the guardian of the Christmas spirit in our house. You, you ask everyone what their thing that they have to do in order to feel that we've celebrated Christmas. Mm-hmm. You've got all the decorations out. You've baked Christmas goodies for people. And yeah. I love that. What's your favorite Christmas tradition? Um, that's hard because I like a lot of them. Like one of the easy things to do is I love when I take the girls out and we drive around and look at Christmas lights and we get mugs of hot cocoa for them to drink. And the local Deanna Rose Farmstead has a great Christmas lights display that we love to stop and watch, watch the lights and the music. Although, um, some of the songs it's like, that's not a Christmas song. Yeah. <laughs> like they have Star Wars that they play, which is, it's fun. It's fun watching the lights, but I'm like, that's not a Christmas song. Well, okay, so for a lot of people, they think of Star Wars as a Christmas movie because of the Star Wars Christmas special. Have you watched it? Have you ever? I mean, I've watched Star Wars. I don't think I've done the Christmas special, though. So the Christmas special is just terrible. It's, it is it is a mess. They go to uh, Chewie's home planet, Kashyyyk, and find out that Chewie has a wife and a kid and like it's just so creepy though the makeup is bad um the the actors you can tell that like the actors involved still didn't really get what Star Wars was all about it was just a I kind of think like a slap job done together to celebrate because the success of Star Wars was so massive but that one Christmas special comes out and suddenly for everyone it's nostalgia now and they think of it really fondly because they watched it when they were a kid or whatever yeah i don't know so there's the lights that i like but then i also enjoy all of the baking that i do which is scaled back a little bit over the years um with covid with covid and time but i have to make my marshmallows um alton brown's recipe um and then i have to make my hot cocoa mix and my chai tea mix turtles my santa surprise cookies yeah that's still on the docket for you just ruined the surprise i didn't say what it was oh okay you're right you didn't didn't. (laughs) but then i also love going to the christmas eve service at our church and um participating in advent um one of the neat things with covid and being home last year was i created a little advent wreath for us that i have out again this year that i really like um so there's things like that, that it's a mix of commercialized, modern things, but then there's also things related to faith and Christianity that I love and appreciate for the season. The the religious stuff doesn't get lost behind the other stuff. Right. Right. So we actually should take a step back. You are my wife, Pamela Travis. Yes. Want to introduce yourself? <laughs> I don't know. I'm Pamela. I've... Carla and I have been married for 15 years now, and we've got three daughters. I teach preschool, and so I'm with two and three-year-olds during the week when I'm not at home. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell me tell me about how you got saved? So my faith story, I my grandparents sent me to a local Christian camp for probably four-ish years. Your grandpa is Dale Malacy. Yes. Had him on the show twice. Yes. So he and his wife, Marilyn, who passed away, 
but they sent me and my brother and a couple of my cousins to this Christian camp. And I think probably the second year we were there, I accepted Christ with the message and uh, just being immersed in that on a daily basis and around others um, saw my need, accepted Christ. But then coming home, kind of still lived the same as normal. And normal be like your parents are believers. You, they are, but it y'all was weren't a, like practicing Wicca or something, right? My dad was a police officer. My mom was a teacher, and we had been when I was young, like early elementary school. We went to a church on a regular basis, um, and then we moved, and that church was farther away. And with my dad's unpredictable schedule, it just was easy to stop going for a while. It gets away from you. It it really can. You, um, you and I have had times where, where it got away from us when yes. we were younger, especially before we had kids. Yes. And so, and I, I don't know exactly what their journey was in thinking about trying to find a new church, but we weren't attending church on a regular basis. We would go to church with my grandparents for like Christmas and Easter, and that was about all. But my fourth year, I think, when I was a camper, I um, I am the only girl of cousins on my mom's side of the family. And so I didn't have any friends to come with me to camp. So I go in this camp um, into a cabin and uh, it's me with a group of like 15 girls that all know each other from a small little town in Kansas. Mm-hmm. And watching them and how their friendships were and being able to see how they loved Christ and were living for him really kind of hit home with me that year. And so that summer after we left camp, I remember wanting to talk to my parents about starting to attend church on a regular basis again. And I say again, because we did, but it had been such a long time. So we found a local church that we started going to. And for me, with Christianity, like the fellowship of other believers is really important to me um, in those regards. Like I made friends at the church that we started attending that are lifelong friends. Like I'm still friends with them today. The youth pastor at that church is actually the man who married us. And I know the times where I'm doing, feeling like I'm doing the best in my faith. It's when I have a community of believers around me supporting me that accountability of just being active. Um, yeah, it's practicing community. That's uh, really, I think, really significant. And, and I feel like it's one of the things that, one of the reasons why you are so quick to draw us in as a family um, into your experience of Christmas is you want to share it with other people. And and that's that's great. I mean, that's I think that's what Christianity is all about. So you like to practice your faith in community and... That's one of the reasons why Christmas is so important to you, to us. I will also say that that's one of the reasons I think that, you know, that I came back to faith was because, you know, I had you watching out for me um, and and constantly trying to draw me back in and, and you know, go, come alongside you. You know, you wanted you wanted to do it together. And and uh, and that was significant. That was it was something real. Because whatever else, you know, with like Christian doctrines and and theology and stuff like that, um, that all can be like really abstract. But you're into the the part of it where it is like where the rubber meets the road, the actual practice of our faith, you know, living it out in our lives. 
yeah, sometimes I think to your dismay, those theological, deep, heady conversations, I don't know much about. But for me, it's the community, it's the serving others, it's the being there and helping and loving others is where I feel the most connection with Christ. Yeah. Do you have a lot of like Jehovah's Witness friends or atheist friends? No. No. <laughs> Not I, at all. I don't have like, you know, in my personal life, I know a few people. Um, I know some atheists. I know I know some former Jehovah's Witnesses. But, you know, on, on the internet and stuff, these people are, you know, everywhere in groups and discussion groups and things like that, especially a lot of former JWs. And every year it seems uh, my, my atheist friends and my JW friends get together and shake hands and agree that whatever else they disagree on, Christmas is pagan. And so you hear that like every year. Really, it's like every Christmas and Easter. There's a couple of things you can count on. You can count on the news trying to put forward some new salacious tidbit about, you know, Jesus maybe not even being real. Uh, And then you can count on your friends saying Christmas or Easter is pagan. It's super disappointing, but really predictable. So... I don't know how much you know about Jehovah's Witness theology. Um, Not much at all. You know, maybe other than that Lutheran satire video you've seen. Oh, yeah. So uh, if if you go to jw.org, they'll tell you sort of four reasons why Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate Christmas. They'll say, Jesus commanded us to celebrate his death, not his birth. Jesus and the early disciples didn't celebrate Christmas. There's no proof Jesus was born on December the 25th. And it's rooted in pagan customs and rites. So they don't celebrate. They also don't celebrate birthdays. They don't really celebrate any holidays at all. So at least they're consistent, right? Mm -hmm. The atheist side, I think, is more reactionary. So atheists, if you if you know any, they they generally, you know, being a minority religious view, they're they're kind of they usually want to protect the right of, of everyone to practice, you know, religion the way they want and they don't want religion to have like a huge place in public in public life, but uh, they're not trying to you know come into your house and make you stop being a Christian. So they don't care what other people celebrate, but they might resent being told by Christians that they're hypocrites because they're celebrating religious ho- a religious holiday, and so they like to turn it back around on Christians and say, well, you know what, you guys appropriated a pagan holiday. We're only continuing the tradition. So. Um, if you ever run into atheists, you know, I think a lot of times they're, they're not really, they're certainly not engaging in, in like deep scholarship or anything. These are like internet infidels just trying to get a quick reaction. If I run across any, I'll pass them on to you. <laughs> so I'm used to that because it happens every year. But um, the one that, that really in the past couple of years has been a big disappointment to me is when like traditional believers, um, especially like people who value the life and work of Charles Spurgeon um, will point to some things that he said, and then they kind of follow that same, like they'll say Christmas is pagan and Christians ought not celebrate. So like I saw this um, one internet meme with a quote from Spurgeon, those who follow the custom of observing Christmas follow not the Bible, but pagan ceremonies. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't um, source that quote because I don't... um, really care where it came from uh, what I did find was a um, I found a, a resource from the Spurgeon library and it's called uh, Spurgeon Santa or Scrooge because um, you know I don't know if he really said that other but he did say these things 
He said, certainly, we do not believe in the present ecclesiastical arrangement called Christmas. First, because we do not believe in the Mass at all, but abhor it, whether it be said or sung in Latin or in English. And secondly, because we find no scriptural warrant, whatever, for observing any day as the birthday of the Savior. And consequently, its observance is a superstition because it is not of divine authority. And then he also said, many would not consider they had kept Christmas in a proper manner if they did not verge on gluttony and drunkenness. Uh, so his feelings about Christmas were kind of, you know, he, he had some negative views on the celebration of Christmas, but I think he was a product of his time, right? Uh, what he's talking about when he says that it's pagan is is really important. He doesn't mean, you know, necessarily that it's literally connected to you know pagan polytheistic rituals what he means is that like you know being a thoroughgoing uh protestant right he believes that the mass any celebration of the mass on any day at all is an affront to god and he also was reacting against the idea that like people would get blackout drunk and party hard on christmas well that's in general not good any day of the year not let right. alone for Christmas. He wasn't like reserving um, some special sort of ire for Christmas. He just, um, that was a day that he felt when he said it's pagan, he would, he meant that it draws worship away from God. So it's idolatrous. Mm-hmm. I think in the modern era, we might say that Christmas is over commercialized or secularized. And really we're making the same complaint when we say that we're saying that Christmas is detracting us from true worship mm-hmm. in that sense. So that's what, you know, I think where where Spurgeon was uh, coming from. Uh, He had some other things that he said about Christmas. For one thing, he taught uh, something like a dozen Christmas sermons over his life. I don't know how how often Christmas falls on Sunday, you know. He was quoted as saying, I wish there were 20 Christmas days in the year. He said, though I have no respect to the religious observance of the day, yet I love it as a family institution. So we have like the start of that idea that Um, It kind of goes beyond, you know, Christmas is about baby Jesus in the manger. And you start to see like what you see in movies a lot nowadays. Christmas is about family. Christmas is about love and peace and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. He said, God forbid I should be such a Puritan as to proclaim the annihilation of any day of rest, which falls to the lot of the laboring man. I wish there were a half dozen holidays in the year. So he saw it as like good time off time with your family, right? A day of rest. And he, he valued that. Yeah. You know? And he, he wasn't about to say, you can't celebrate it just because other people go get drunk that day. Right. Well, that's kind of con- convicting in the fact that, like, how busy and stuff do we tend to be? And should that's we true. try and make it more restful? I can square Spurgeon's point of view with my own views of Christmas. Maybe even, like, I see where he's coming from and kind of agree with him uh insofar as you know what he's saying is that it distracts us from worship of god so pagan in that sense but uh that kind of begs the question what about like actual pagan polytheistic rituals are we unwittingly practicing these by celebrating christmas that would be like the big question that's the accusation from our atheist friends right okay so i don't think i i don't have any particular expertise on you know history or comparative religion or the the development of religion over time or whatever. So rather than me go into all these details, 
I'm just going to point people to some resources that have been valuable to me, and I'll link them in episode notes. Um, one of the big ones for me uh, is the Naked Bible Podcast, actor Michael Heiser. Um, We've talked about that a lot. Yeah, I've been listening to it a lot lately. I'm, I'm going back through and listening to his his episodes on the book of Hebrews because that's what we're reading in my Bible study group. Mm-hmm. So, so Michael Heiser uh, had an episode on whether Christmas is pagan that he released in 2017. And he, saw, he kind of addressed two different topics. It's two different questions. One of them is the timing of the holiday. And the other is various traditions or symbols that we associate with Christmas. So about the timing, the, the claim is that December 25th was purposefully chosen as a date for Christmas because it coincided with one or more pagan winter festivals. And this would somehow make pagans more willing to convert because they get to keep their old holidays. Like it makes it easier for them. And I'm sure you've heard those kinds of things. Right. Um, especially, you know, being Protestants, we hear those kinds of things leveled at the Catholic Church, that the Catholic Church um, in the past was very syncretist and, and that they, you know, tried to incorporate pagan gods and goddesses or things like that into the practice of Catholicism in a way that would make it more palatable to the people they're trying to convert. So that's where this accusation is coming from, that, that they specifically chose December the 25th. I mean, after all, we know that that's, the Bible doesn't say when Jesus was born. So right. why did they pick that day? Well, they picked it because it'd make it you know, easier to convert pagans. So the problem with this claim is that none of the candidate festivals actually match up. The winter solstice is an astronomical event, not a holiday. It's also not always on December the 25th. So you might be able to point to some, you know, historical archive or whatever that a record that says that the winter solstice was on the 25th, but that would be that year. It's not every year. And, you know, it migrates. Uh, Saturnalia, Mithraism, and Sol Invictus have all been put forward, but they just don't work. So like if church leaders were trying to hit those dates, they failed miserably, right? Um, If your neighbor's dorky kid dresses up in a costume and rings your doorbell and asks for candy on November the 2nd, you're going to think he's half a bubble off. You're not going to dress up and join him. Uh, Even more devastating for that line of argument is the fact that we do actually have a historical breadcrumb trail that leads us to an explanation for December the 25th. And it was laid down by early church fathers trying to figure out when Easter should be celebrated based on divergent Jewish liturgical calendars. There's like an argument because the Pharisees followed a different calendar than the Essenes did. So there's a lot of assumptions about great men of history that we don't share. Um, there's even like some some Jewish mysticism, you know, in there um, in trying to answer the question of when we should celebrate Easter. But they were trying to celebrate Easter, and they were doing their calculations over a hundred years before Constantine converted to Christianity. So, you know, if the claim is that like Constantine in in the fourth century was, um, you know, trying to make Christianity palatable, well, I mean, maybe, but but the uh, the idea is the groundwork for December the twenty fifth as the birthday of Jesus, as the day we celebrate the birthday of Jesus, was already in place for over a hundred years before. So it's clearly not these like pagan considerations that led people to pick that day. 
I think I can link people to Tim O'Neill's blog so they can investigate further into Heiser's podcast. Uh, Tim O'Neill is an atheist historian, and he's made a career out of correcting internet infidels when they make kooky, unsubstantiated claims. Hmm. Um, What I think that a lot of people don't realize is that that kind of that line of argumentation is is very closely connected with like the Jesus mythicist movement, the whole idea that like Jesus didn't even exist, right? So when our Christian neighbors, um, when our when people at our church or when people who value Spurgeon's ministry, um, when they say Christmas is pagan, they're they're unwittingly I think putting themselves in a tradition, um, in a line of argumentation that exists on the internet in the modern day that says that, uh, you know, that actually comes from saying Jesus didn't even exist. The whole thing was made up out of whole cloth. You know, let's pick, you know, bits of this God story and that God story and tie them all together and invent this Jesus character. Um, and I think that, you know, clearly people who who love Spurgeon don't believe that, you know. So uh, I think they just maybe ought to be more careful what arguments they fall for. So the other question is about traditions and symbols of Christmas. Um, is the Christmas tree a pagan symbol? What about um, Yule logs, mistletoe, Santa Claus, or Grandma's Christmas turkey? Are those things all pagan? Are we uh, accidentally worshiping Odin when we meant to honor the incarnate Son of God? That would be a huge question. Oh, if your intent is to worship Christ, that's who's going to be worshipped. You have to have a purposeful intent when you're worshiping. You can't accidentally worship something yeah i agree um and and i think like think about how our kids you know our our kids have all kinds of misconceptions about um the the work and the nature of of jesus and about his divinity you know they only kind of get an inkling of a of a clue by going to church and you know for some people it takes years of study just to get to the point where you know they can claim to have a basic understanding of some of this stuff but when they worship, they still worship, and, and we still believe that God accepts our worship in spite of our misunderstandings and our misgivings. Right. So, yeah, I don't think it's possible to accidentally worship anything. Worship is an intentional practice. Michael Jones of Inspiring Philosophy has addressed a lot of the history surrounding various Christmas symbols and traditions. Um, so, again, rather than me diving into all those things... I think I'll just direct people to like one of his videos. There's not really much evidence that that a lot of these things were derived from pagan rituals, at least not nothing that makes me worry. And I think the more important question for Christians to address is like a worst case scenario. What if Michael Jones and inspiring philosophy is wrong? What if Santa really is a pagan deity? I think one perspective that I take when I consider that question is that none of those things are Christmas. The Grinch can steal all our trees and all our mistletoe, and in the end, we still get to hold hands and sing, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Um, you know, Christmas trees and wreaths of holly and all those things are not, they're not Christmas. Mm-hmm. According to C.S. Lewis, Christianity is the true myth. Myth um, is basically the same as saying something is a story. It's calling something a story. It's it's a narrative. Um, it's a way of passing along information in narrative form. So Lewis said that Christianity is the true myth. 
This is not a quote of Lewis, but the idea is that pagan polytheists get the story partly right because of common grace. To the degree that some rituals have stuck around for hundreds or even thousands of years, it's because they truly do serve to reorient us toward the good, the true, and the beautiful. They're a kind of proto-gospel, and they find their completion or fullness of meaning in the Christian story. They are redeemed in Christ, so to speak, and so they can be legitimately used to worship God. So the only reason these rituals are remembered at all is because Christians took up their practice. If Christians appropriated these rituals, um, modern pagans have as well. They're dressing up in robes and drinking meat in the woods. They're not out sacrificing virgins. Something I didn't write down here, but that uh, an idea that kind of stuck with me, the idea is that English is derived from like Middle English, and that's derived from Old English, and that's derived from German. And then English words and phrases are used for like the Java programming language, right? But you wouldn't say that Java is German. Right. Even if it like even if you can trace it back that way, it's gone through several steps of evolution plus at some point was completely retooled for a different purpose. So saying Christmas is pagan is a lot like saying Java is German. Okay. I follow you. You're right, that's kinda ridiculous. Yeah. Is is uh Christmas pagan? No. The <laughs> short answer, no. Long answer? No. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> thank you for sitting down and talking to people about this. Yeah. Taking time out of your really busy holiday <laughs> schedule. Yes. I think you'd, you'd rather be shopping right now? I need to go shopping. Um, and not for presents. No, you got, you got a lot of that out of the way already. You got almost all the wrapping done and mm-hmm. everything. You need to go buy food for meals and it's just regular meals too for the next few days yeah not just our christmas gluttony gluttony is pagan um awesome thank you honey. you're welcome thanks for listening pamela is a gift she wanted me to reiterate that our family's christmas traditions also include a bunch of religious elements that she didn't mention it's not just cookies trees and stop-motion movies We also do Advent devotionals, the wise man journey, and starting this year, we're taking the kids to the classic midnight service. If you give Christmas the side eye, I know that much of this sounds suspicious already. Please check the episode notes for resources and reach out to me on Twitter or email. From our family to yours, Merry Christmas. Here's Pamela again with the benediction. Jude 1, 24-25 Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now and forever. Amen.
Oh 